Hey, we are, we're jumping right back into a series uh, called Religious IQ. If you were here last week, uh, we, you know we talked about this idea of being to, uh, able to identify uh, counterfeit religions. And we said, you know, part of this is, and part of this of raising our IQ is being able to say, whoa, 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 wait a minute. I, I, it's real clear you just got off track. It's, it's, it's real clear that what you just said isn't verifiable and it's not true. And, and being able to recognize a counterfeit uh, when it's presented. And we said in many ways, it's a little bit like uh, what we do with uh, dollar bills and that our government has tried to help you and I be able to identify when a bill is counterfeit. So we talked about the fact that, you know, there's kind of a reflective ink on the front of our bills. That's because it's really, really hard for a Xerox to capture that reflective uh, ink. And, and we talked about the fact there's a watermark on here that actually is the portrait of the president who's supposed to be on the bill. And if so, all of a sudden you have a 20 and you see Lincoln in the watermark, you know, hey, that, that's uh, counterfeit. And then there's actually a thread uh, that goes through that actually tells you, hey, this is a $20 bill. And so if you get 100 and it says 20 on the, you immediately know that it's a counterfeit. And, and here's the interesting thing. All that needs to happen is for one of those things, the moment you identify one of those things missing or wrong, you know immediately I'm dealing uh, with a counterfeit. And so we said, okay, so what does that look like as you and I begin to talk about our faith? And how do you and I recognize uh, when something is counterfeit? And last week we talked about the first test, the first question you ask when someone's uh, talking to you about their religion or their faith. And, you, and it simply was this, um, what do you say about the Bible? Is the Bible God's word without mistake? And if their answer is, well, you know, uh, it, it's really a good book. Uh, it, it, it's good as far as it goes, but we have another book that supplements the Bible and helps you get the right answers out of this. If they say to you, look, we've got this council that, you know, gets together uh, and we take votes about which parts of the Bible are accurate and which parts aren't. And a matter of fact, we actually can take a vote and add something on to the Bible based on uh, our votes in our accounts, you immediately know you're dealing uh, with a counterfeit faith. Today, you and I are going to go after two more litmus tests, two more questions that you and I can ask and immediately identify a counterfeit faith. I know some of you are probably going, oh, dude, I was so hoping we'd already be diving. I was hoping we'd go after Mormonism today or we'd go after um, atheists, you know, and, and have those discussions today. And guys, I'm just going to tell you that last week and what we're doing this week, next week we're going to get in. Next week we've got J.P. Moreland here who is probably one of the world's most renowned Christian apologists. He's going to help walk us through atheism. You are not going to want to miss next week. But I'm telling you that what you and I did last week and what we're about to do today is absolutely essential in re raising our religious IQ, in helping us to be able to identify uh, counterfeits uh, as they come to us. It's, it's getting you and I prepared because here's the deal. I guarantee you uh, there's going to be a moment when someone's going to come knocking on your door. And they're going to say, hey, we've got this new thing and we've got this other Bible for you. And, and you're going to want to know what we've already said when that moment comes. You're going to immediately be able to identify. You're going to have a moment when your neighbor's going to walk over and say, hey, look, there's this guy at work and he's inviting me to his church. And you're going to want to know what to ask in that moment so that you can either tell your friend, oh, wow, you found a great group, dig in. Or that you would come and go, run away, run away. That is an absolutely counterfeit faith that's trying to entice you right now. You and I need the prep work 
so that we know what's coming. A couple years ago, uh, I skydived. And uh, before they would let me go up in the plane, uh, they made me watch this 45-minute video. They were doing stuff like, you know, you need to arch your back uh, a certain way so that you, you know, fall more slowly. And, and they were talking about where to position your hands so you didn't go into a violent spin. And a few times during the video, they happened to mention that you could die uh, doing this. Uh, I was so frustrated watching the video, right up until the moment I leaped out of the plane. And then I was deeply, deeply thankful for the training. I'm just going to tell you guys, as you and I go to navigate this in real life, these two messages that we've had on the front side may be the most crucial in the conversation, okay? So we're going to go after two more, two more tests, two more questions you ask the moment somebody comes up and says, hey, I've got this new flavor. I've got this religion I uh, want you to check out. And the second test, test number two, first one was, what do you say about the Bible? Test number two is simply this, who is Jesus? In, in your system of belief, in your understanding, who is Jesus? Because you, one of the identifying marks of a counterfeit faith is this, that their Jesus is going to be different than the biblical Jesus. That their Jesus is going to be uh, someone else. You ever had a moment uh, when you were talking to a friend and uh, they said, hey, I, I need to get my car fixed. And he said, well, I know this guy. Uh, his name is Tom, and he lives in Tempe, and he would be great to fix your car. Good guy, good prices. And your friend says, well, I know Tom. Yeah, Tom from Tempe, right? Yeah. I, I didn't know he was a mechanic. I, I thought he was a hairdresser. Well, no, 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 no. Tom's been fixing cars for 25 years. And your friend says, well, Tom's like 26, when, when did he start fixing cars? And he go, well, no, 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 Tom's like uh, 45 and he's been fixing, and a matter of fact, he used to be a, a halfback for Arkansas, and your friend says, wait a minute, Tom, the hairdresser, he's like five foot four, 98 pounds. All of a sudden, you start to realize, we're talking about two different Toms. One of the things you've got to figure out when you're talking to someone is, which Jesus are you talking about? Are we talking about the same Jesus? Because one of the identifying marks of a counterfeit faith is that Jesus will not be the biblical Jesus. Jesus instead will be a prophet. And they'll say, look, here's the deal. Jesus taught us some really good things. He came with some information we needed. But now we've got an additional prophet who added on to what Jesus already taught. So Jesus got us part of the way there with the truth, but now our prophet is adding to and amplifying what Jesus already taught. Or, or they'll say to you, you know, Jesus, Jesus was actually a really good man. Uh, he, he kind of served as that good example, that great example of how you and I should live our lives. And so he was just like probably the best man who ever lived and, and set an example for you and I on how we should live. Or they'll say this, Jesus was a good teacher. He just didn't have all the information yet, uh, but he was a really, really good teacher. So take what he says, just add in what we say. Now here's the deal. When you're talking about a Jesus who is a good teacher or a good prophet or a really, really good man, you are talking about a different Jesus than what is in Scripture. This is not the same Jesus. And a matter of fact, if you examine the Bible at all, if you take any interest in studying Scripture, you would realize that Jesus cannot possibly be a good teacher. He cannot possibly simply be a prophet. He cannot possibly be a good man. Here's why. 
what Jesus says about himself is so absolutely outrageous. I mean, what Jesus claims about himself is so far out there that it absolutely precludes him being just a prophet or just a teacher or just a good man. Matter of fact, there's really only three categories that you can put Jesus in because of what he claimed about himself. Category number one is you can say, all right, look, uh, Jesus is just a liar. Uh, he, he knew what he was telling us about himself wasn't true. Uh, he's a charlatan selling snake oil. See, uh, he, he's, he's coming to us and saying, look, uh, you got cancer, I got a cure for cancer, 5,000 bucks. And whatever he's doing, he knows he's lying. He's just willing to deceive and he just wants a following, he wants the popularity. So Jesus could potentially be a liar. The, the second category that you could put Jesus in is that he's an absolute raving lunatic. That, that he actually believes this stuff about himself, but he's delusional. He's, he's, he's just, he, he needs a special care facility, okay? And, 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 that, and that just like anyone you would see ranting or raving on the street, I mean, I mean I'm telling you, if, if, if Jesus believes this stuff about himself and it's not true, then he needs some special maintenance. So Jesus can either be a liar who's intentionally deceiving, or he could actually believe this stuff, but he's just a lunatic and delusional, or third category, He's telling the truth, that he is exactly who he says he is, which means he's Lord. See, Jesus is either a liar, he's a lunatic, or he's telling the truth and he's Lord. Because, because you ready for this? Because the things he claims about himself are so outrageous that those are the only three possible categories for Jesus. So here we go. We're going to get to uh, litmus test number two. Who is Jesus? And so let's go to a passage in which Jesus is explaining to the disciples who he is, where he's clearly making his self-claims. So grab your Bibles. Go with me to John chapter 14. And I'm just going to tell you today, we're going to spend a lot of time in Scripture. So get your fingers ready. Get your phone out with your Bible app. But you're going to want to take a look and make sure that I'm being accurate about what we're saying, that this is truly what Scripture says. And guys, I'm just going to say out loud to you today, you may hear some things and you go, wow, that's not what my mom told me. And before you write your text, check it out. Just go back to Scripture and take a look and see if this is really what the Bible says about this. And if, and if at the end of that, uh, you go, wow, I just heard some things today I never knew to be true, but the Bible backs them up, then you and I are going to readjust our thinking. But if you go to the Bible and you say, Lynn, I think you overstated it, I think you went too far in the conversation, and I've got verses to back it up, then by all means, put the verses in the email, send the email, we'll talk. Okay? So here we go. It's John chapter 14. This is Jesus giving a final exam to the disciples. He's saying to them, look, here's the deal. I'm getting ready to die. I'm going to go to a cross in just a short while. I'm going to end up in heaven. You get to carry on. And before I leave, we just got to make sure you understand what I was saying, what I was teaching, and who I am. So this is the open book test at the end of the semester. This is Jesus making sure that his disciples aren't confused about who he is. It's John chapter 14. We'll start in verse 1. Here's what it says. Jesus says, do not let your uh, hearts be troubled. Uh, trust in God. Trust also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. 
If it were not so, I would have told you. I am going there to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you may also be where I am. You know the way to the place where I'm going. Okay, so Jesus is saying, look, I'm, I'm getting ready to head to heaven, and, and you guys already know how to get there because I've been telling you all along how to get to heaven. And in this moment, uh, Thomas, one of the disciples, this is one of the passages that we start to get the term doubting Thomas, goes, Jesus, whoa, 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 this is, you're, you're blowing my mind a little bit. I, this is confusing. Give me another lap on this one. I need another hint, okay? Go to verse 5. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how are we going to know the way? Jesus answers, verse 6, Jesus answered, I am, next word, the, definite article singular. I am the, not a, I am the way. I am the way and I am the truth, not a truth, not one of many ways, not one of many truths. I am the truth and I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. I wonder what Jesus meant when he said no one. Is it possible he meant no one? No one gets to God but through me. And you get that in this moment. Here's what Jesus is saying. Look, look, here's the deal. Look, this isn't, this isn't multiple choice, guys. There's one way. There's one way to get to the Father. It's me. Now, this is interesting because you and I live in a pluralistic society that would say to you and I, look, look, here's the deal. It doesn't really matter what you believe. As long as you believe something and as long as it works for you. And so you and I are left kind of to believe that, hey, it's, it's kind of like God is at the top of a mountain and, and you may have somebody in the Baha'i faith and, and they're just trying to existentially find their way to, but it's okay, it's okay if it works for them. As long as they believe in a higher power and as long as they're being a good, it doesn't matter what journey they take or what path they take to get to God. And, and then you have a person over here and, and they, they would say, no, you know, this, this person uh, is, is a Muslim and, and, and it doesn't matter truly what they believe. It doesn't matter whether they call God Allah. Who cares? Because they're, they're trying to be a good person and they're trying to get to a higher entity. And it, it doesn't matter which way you go up the mountain as long as you go toward God. You realize that is absolutely not what Jesus just said. Jesus didn't say, hey, it doesn't matter what you believe or how you get. Jesus said, you ready? I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. And no one, no one gets to God going another way. Now, that's pretty outrageous. I mean, that's, that's not, if he's a good teacher, and, and, and if he knows that's not true, then he's lying right now. 
If he's just a man and thinks that he's the only way to God, is he delusional? Or is he Lord and he just told us the truth? See, I, and I, I get that some of us go, well, you know, Lynn, maybe we overemphasize that. Maybe we, maybe, maybe that's not all really what Jesus meant. Maybe, maybe we interpreted that wrong. Okay, so grab your Bibles. Go with me. I told you we're going to look at a lot of Scripture today. Go with me to John chapter 3. So we're just going to go a little bit left in our Bible. John chapter 3. This is probably the most famous verse in all the Bible. John chapter 3, verse 16, for God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. You know what we neglect to do really often is read the verses in front of it and the verses after it. So let's just do that today. Here it is. It's John chapter 3. We'll start in verse uh, 15 together. Here's what it says, that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whosoever believes in him, not existentialism, not, not, not some angel that came and visited, whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already. So here's the deal, look, if, if you don't believe, you're already in trouble. If I don't believe what? He who has, or stands condemned already because he has not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. And you understand that, that what Jesus is saying about himself is, I am, you ready? I am the way for people to ever know and have a relationship with God. There is not other alternative. I am the way. Definite article, singular. And, and, and again, just in, just in case you're not sure that this is really what the Bible intended to say, grab, turn, turn one more time. Go with me to Galatians chapter 1, which is going to be just to the right in your Bible. Galatians chapter 1. If you've already closed your Bible, go to the back and start working to the left. It's Galatians chapter 1, starting in verse 8. Here's what it says. You ready? But even if we, so even if a disciple, even if one of the original 12 that followed Jesus came to you and began to teach something different, they began to say, look, I was wrong and this is what it should have been. Even if a disciple came to you or an angel from heaven, so even if you see some heavenly being and they came and said, look, uh, we've made a mistake here and there's, there's a different way to go to heaven and Jesus didn't really mean what he said and, and appeared, he says, it doesn't matter. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one preached to you, 
What is the gospel? It's simply good news. The Greek word there for gospel is good news. And the good news is this. God sent his son to be our savior and die on the cross for our sins. That's the gospel. And he's saying, look, if if anybody tells you anything different than that, if they try to tell you any other way, here's what it says. If anyone comes and preaches a gospel other than the one that has been preached to you, let him be eternally condemned. As we have already said, so now I say again, if anybody is preaching to you a gospel other than that which you've accepted, let him be eternally condemned. I, I know, I know some of us are going, wow, that just, that just seems harsh, Lynn. I mean, it, it, what you're telling me then is that anyone who tells us any other way to get to God other than Jesus is wrong. Yeah. You say, man, that, just, that just seems so judgmental. Is it being judgmental if I tell someone the truth? I mean, if I know, if I know that I know something that they need to know, and that if I don't tell them, they're going to live a lifetime of heartache and disappointment because they're mistaken about what they believe and what they're… If I know the truth and I tell them the truth so that they can avoid calamity in their life, is that judgmental? Or is that the most loving thing I could possibly do? Let me give you this example. I want you to imagine for a moment that you're a parent of a 16-year-old girl, and she begins to date the guy. You know which guy I'm talking about. The guy that your entire life you have prayed to God and said, God, please don't ever let my daughter date him. And she's dating him. And let's say he introduces your daughter to drugs. And now she's hooked. And the things that he is encouraging her to do in order to finance their habit. And your heart's sick. And you go to your daughter and you say, look, here's the deal. You realize your life, ever since you met with him, ever since you attached your life to him, has been nothing but heartache and ruin. That your life is literally spiraling downhill at a cataclysmic rate. And then she says to you, but I love him. Which is code for, I get to do something really stupid. And you say to her, look, here's, here's the deal. He, he, he absolutely brings out the worst in you. He absolutely, he is going to be the ruin of you. If you stay with him, you are at, you're going to end up just absolutely heartsick for how you've lived your life. And your daughter turns to you and says, you're being so judgmental. Is that really judgmental? Or is that the truth? 
And isn't it in that moment the most loving thing you can possibly do is speak the truth? And you realize that Jesus in this moment simply says, hey, here's the truth. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the light. And no one, guys, just under, no one gets to God unless they come through me. And you realize that claim is so outrageous that Jesus is either lying his socks off, he knows this isn't true, and he doesn't care that he's deceiving you and me, or he is a raving lunatic. Somebody needs to find a straitjacket and put him into the proper place because he believes this stuff. Or he is telling you and I the truth, and he is Lord And this is the most loving information he could give so that you and I would not miss God. See, one of the tests is, who who is this Jesus you're talking about? Is he the one and only way to heaven? But Jesus doesn't stop there. Jesus' final exam is not over. He then goes back. So grab your Bibles. Go back with me to John chapter 14. John chapter 14. Jesus says to him, let's go to verse 6 again together. Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you would know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. And Philip says to him, Lord, look, look, show us the Father, and that would be enough. Now, get the moment. Jesus has just made this very clear statement. I am the only way to get to God. And Philip's going, Jesus, look, that's that's hard to get my head around. I mean, I'm... So here's the deal, Jesus. If you would just show us God the Father, I mean, if if he could like show up here, do a couple magic tricks, that'd be good, and then then I could get my head around this. I, I would believe this if God the Father would show up and tell us this was all true, okay? This, because this sounds a little crazy, Jesus. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father, and and that would be enough for us. And here's Jesus' answer, get this. Jesus answered, Don't you know me? Philip, even after I've been among you such a long time, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? And Jesus says, look, Thomas, if you've seen me, you've seen God the Father. And guys, this, get this, this isn't just Jesus saying, hey, you know, God's kind of influential in my life and he's, you know, he's kind of, you know, in me, you know, living out through me. You and I have got the Holy Spirit in us. But, but how whacked would it be if, if I stood up here and said, look, if you've seen me, dude, you've seen God. <laughs> You'd be buying me the white coat, right? And you get that that's what Jesus, Jesus is saying, look, if you've seen me, You've seen God. And again, let's, let's grab one more passage just to be sure we're not, we're not misunderstanding what Jesus is saying. Go to the left. Go with me to John chapter 10. John chapter 10, verse 25. Let, let me give you the moment. The Jews are listening to Jesus teach, and, and they're struggling with what Jesus is teaching. And so they simply say to him, Jesus, look, if you're the Christ, just say it. Just say it out loud. If you're really the Christ who's come to save the world, say it. This is John chapter 10, verse 25. Watch what Jesus does because this is big time. 
John chapter 10, verse 25, Jesus answers, I already told you. I did tell you. But you do not believe. The miracles I do in my Father's name speak for me, but you do not believe because you are not my sheep. My sheep listen to my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. No one can snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. You ready for this? I and my Father are one. And this is that whole thing of the Trinity that you and I have such a hard time getting our heads around because there is God the Father and God the Son and God the Holy Spirit. But there is also a sense in which they are one. And Jesus says, I am God, come in the flesh. Matter of fact, verse 31, again the Jews picked up stones to stone him, but Jesus said to them, I have shown you many great miracles from the Father, for which of these are you getting ready to stone me? We are not stoning you, they said, for any of these, replied the Jews, but for blasphemy because you, a mere man, claim to be God. They understood what he said. They, they said, you just said, you're God. Now think about this for a second. If Jesus, if, if this was a mistake, if you and I were reading, wouldn't Jesus at this moment go, whoa, 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 I didn't really mean it that way. I, I mean, I, I, it was more metaphorical. It was, you know, I, I didn't mean it literally, I'm God. I mean, these guys are getting ready to kill him. And if they've missed, wouldn't Jesus go, look, like, no, 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 no. It's just symbolism. You know what Jesus does instead? He affirms that he meant it the first time. Go with me to verse 38. Here's what Jesus says. But if I do it, even though you do not believe me, believe the miracles that you may know and understand that the Father is in me and I am in the Father. You realize Jesus is willing to die for the statement that he is God? Matter of fact, it's eventually why they're going to hang him on the cross is for this statement. And I'm just telling you guys, what Jesus claims about himself is so out there and so outrageous. He cannot be a good teacher. He cannot be a prophet with part of the story. He is either a raving liar, he is an absolute lunatic, or he just told you and I the truth, and he is exactly who he said he was, and he is Lord, okay? So litmus test number two is, who is Jesus? Who's the Jesus in your understanding? Is he the only way to heaven? Is he the only way? And then secondly, is he God come in the flesh? Okay? Litmus test number three. We'll hop in here real quick. Litmus test number three is simply this. How does someone go to heaven? The best you understand what your system of belief teaches, how does somebody get to heaven? Here's why that is crucial. Because it is absolutely an identifying mark of man-made and counterfeit faith that you and I have to earn our way to heaven, that we have to follow a certain set of rules and that by following those rules, somehow we get better and better and better and finally we're good enough to go to heaven. So here's, here's what happens in counterfeit faiths and man-made religions. They will say to you, look, uh, if you do what we tell you to do, uh, then you will eventually earn your way uh, to heaven. So uh, they may say, hey, you have to join our church because our church is better than other churches. And if you join our, you get points. It, it's kind of like brownie 
badges. And, and I'm, we're not sure how many points you get for sure, but you get more points than if you join another church. So if you join our faith, if you join our sect, you're going you're gonna to get merits and points toward going to heaven. Uh, sometimes they'll come back and say, uh, hey, uh, you've got to be baptized the way that we tell you to be baptized. You've got to, you know, it's really interesting. Someone will say, look, you've got to be baptized by someone who was baptized by someone who was baptized by John the Baptist. Or they'll say, you know, if we baptize you as a baby, then that, you know, that gives you points, you know, for the rest of your life on the deal. God, here's what I'm thinking. Baptized helps get me to heaven. Chandler water helps me get to, have you tasted Chandler water? I'm just telling you, there is no way Chandler water helps you get closer to God. You probably want to avoid Chandler water. It, it surely doesn't have brownie points for heaven. Uh, some of them will, will say to you, uh, you know, if, if you want to earn uh, some points for heaven, uh, then you've got to wear a black dress slacks and a white shirt, and, and you've got to go to people's houses and convince them to join our religion. Uh, that's what you've got to do. And if you do that enough, you know, if you win enough uh, people to uh, our way of thinking, then, then you'll earn points and you, you'll, you'll get to heaven quicker uh, that way. Some of them will say, hey, look, you've you got to confess your sins to the right person or, or you've got to get married uh, in our church because getting married in our church somehow is special and it, it gets you uh, further along. And it's a list of rules. It's a list of rules about how you and I are supposed to get to heaven. And it is always, guys, guys, let's say this. When men make up religion, they make up rules. And you realize that this is absolutely counter everything that Jesus teaches. Matter of fact, here's what Jesus teaches. You can't pile up enough good things. You, you can't work your way into heaven. And, and the only way you're going to get to heaven is stop messing with the rules and figure out that you need a Savior. There aren't enough things for you to do to earn heaven. Instead, you need a Savior who forgives what you've done to go to heaven. Matter of fact, grab your Bibles one last time this morning. It's Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. You can go to the back of your Bible, work to the left. Ephesians chapter 2. If you're still in John, you can go to the right. Here's what it says. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8. For it is by grace you have been saved. What is grace? Grace is a gift. Grace is someone giving to us what we have not earned. It's a gift. Matter of fact, at Christmas time, you and I give gifts. Why do we do that? We are commemorating the idea that Christmas is God sending a Savior to give a gift to us that we did not earn 
And therefore, in reflection of that, we freely give gifts to one another. For it is by grace, it is by this gift that you and I are saved, the Bible says. Let let me see if I can help with that a little bit. Who wants to earn 20 bucks? Okay, right there, right there. Come on, dude, you're on. 20 bucks. What's your name? David. David. How you doing, David? All right. All right, so here's the deal, David. I'm going to give you a chance to earn 20 bucks. Um, I've got some flower beds at my house, and I've got some weeds in the flower beds. And if you, if you would pull those weeds for me, I, I'm more than willing to pay you 20 bucks. All right. All right, so there you go. Okay. Now, what I should probably tell you, <laughs> as you get ready to do that, I've got six flower beds, and they are full of weeds. Okay. You still in for the 20 bucks? Yeah. Okay. So here's what I tell you. David's being a gracious guy for me right now, but here's what I know, okay? About the time he gets to the third flower bed, he's going to start resenting me. You know why? Because he's going to look at what he had to do to get the 20 bucks, and he's going to go, dude, I am so underpaid right now. This, this is not worth it. Ready? I am earning way, way more than this. I'm just not getting paid what I'm worth. Okay? When you earn something, it's a wage. Okay, so I'm going to change the deal. You don't have to clean any flower beds. You don't have to pull any weeds. I'm going to give you 20 bucks. Okay. All right, there you go. Thanks. All right, man. Okay. And in that moment, ready? And in that moment, it is a gift because he has done nothing for me and he's not planning on it either. Okay? And in that moment, it's a gift. What did Scripture just say? You did not earn this. You didn't get baptized enough. You did not go to church enough. You, you, you didn't enough anything enough. This was a gift. And the moment you get to a counterfeit religion that says, follow our rules and you get to earn heaven, you immediately know it is man-made and not God-made. Because this is not about religiousness. It's about discovering a relationship with God. And you don't earn relationship. It's given. Matter of fact, if you go back to the passage Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9 says, For it is by grace, it's by this gift, you have been saved through faith, not from working, from believing, through faith. And this is not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. Guys, if you and I were working our way to heaven, you know what we'd eventually say? Dude, I so deserve this. I worked my tail off for heaven. Truth is, I didn't need no Jesus. I'm my own Jesus because I earned my way to heaven. And the identifying mark of a man-made religion is a de-emphasis on the Savior on the cross and an emphasis on I'm going to earn my way there. So here we go, okay? Ready? Litmus test. These... I'm telling you guys, if you'll remember these, if you'll use these, they'll be invaluable in your life. What do you say about the Bible? Is it true and is it without mistake? 
Who is this Jesus you're telling me about? Are we talking about the same Jesus? Are we talking about the Jesus that's the only way to God? Are we talking about the Jesus who is God come in the flesh? Test number three. How does someone, to the best of your understanding, get to heaven? Do they work their way there? Do they, by grace, accept a Savior to get there? And you'll immediately know, are these people on track, or are they talking to me about a counterfeit? Now, here's the deal, guys. If what you and I have said together is true, here's two things I just think you and I ought to take out of the moment. Number one is this. I've seen very, very few people argued into heaven. We didn't give you this information today so you could argue better than someone else. I think it's much more powerful when you and I live what we know to be true so boldly, so out loud, that people who are living with something that's counterfeit can see that what you and I have is authentic. And they can go, boy, I don't know. I thought my system of belief was good. I thought my idea, but I'm just telling you, something's going on in your life that's different than what my man-made religion is giving me. And the authenticity of the followers of Jesus would convict the hearts of people who haven't figured them out yet. And then here's the second piece. If it's true that Jesus is the only way that people know God, then I think you and I have got to have the courage to say that. And I know, I know people are going to say, boy, you're narrow, and I, I think you're being judgmental, but here's what you and I know. If it's true, if the only way that people can experience God is by knowing our Jesus Christ, then it's not judgmental. It's the most loving thing that you and I can say out loud is you need my Jesus the same way I needed my Jesus because he is the only way to truly experience God. Let's bow our heads. Hey, God, I'm just going to ask that you would make us wise, that you would make us bold, that, that we would take uh, these three tests and, and we would hold any religious teaching that came our way up and say, boy, what, tell me what you believe about the Bible. Tell me who the Jesus is you're talking about. Is he the only way to God? Is he truly God come in the flesh? How does someone get to heaven to the best of your understanding? Do they earn it? Do they work their way there? Do they trust in a Savior? And God, I'm just going to ask that you would make us wise, that we would, we would see counterfeits for counterfeits, and we would applaud and affirm those who are teaching the truth. God, help us as we go through the rest of this series to just absolutely be sharp, to hold our lives and ourselves to the truth. And God, would you help us understand what potentially we haven't understood up until now. And this we pray in Jesus' name, amen.